Welcome to the Make More, Keep More show, an irreverent but never irrelevant show dedicated to all things money. Hosted by Ron Carruthers and Dominic Cummins, two guys with 50 years of combined experience in sales and finance and a lifetime of talking nonsense. So, um, so D, let's get right into it. Um, basically, taxes suck. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anybody that doesn't agree with that? Um, you know, taxes, what's crazy is, that you guys may not even know this, the tax code, the country existed, was founded, what, in 1776? We didn't have an income tax until 1913. So we got two things that year that you can argue did not enhance our lifestyles as Americans. I don't know. I wasn't here. Then, sure. but we got the Federal Reserve in 1913, and then we also got the um, we got the IRS, and the IRS code started out pretty minimal. It's kind of ballooned to 79, 81-ish thousand pages, depending on how you're counting, and um, it gets more complex every year. And it's kind of hilarious because politicians, I think Elizabeth Warren was the last one to shake her little fist against Intuit. How dare they charge people? Uh, you know, and they're making billions of dollars off this, and that's not right. And look, you can file your taxes for free. The IRS will file them for you. Right. But they're not there to help you save less, and it always amuses me because it's like, lady, I'm not the one who uh, made the tax code, neither are they who made it so complicated. You guys are the ones who made it this complicated. So if you're successful in any measure, you will end up, taxes will be the majority of your expenses over your lifetime. And so even your kids will eventually move out and will support themselves hopefully um <laughs> at some point but taxes really don't go away and if you look at the math if you have any assets generally you are not moving into a lower tax bracket in retirement so there there's a lot to go there so what i thought we'd do today dominic and you're going to do all the heavy lifting next week because you're going to chat about all the leadership stuff I'm going to demand that you teach it, that you're teaching the LA County fire departments and all these other agencies. But today I'll do most of it. So the first thing, what we're going to chat about today is number one, kind of the differences between marginal and effective tax rates. What a fair tax is kind of, we call it your tax meridian, what that is. So you can have a strategy around this and I'll explain that in a moment. And then we're going to go through some of the most common areas to watch out for if you don't have a business. And then obviously, if you do have a business, you guys have heard me say this before. Um, and that is the tax laws were written for the self-employed. And in today's economy, you know, with even a little bit of time each week, really, there is no reason why all of you on this call couldn't have a business by the end of the weekend that would allow you to take significant advantage of, of tax, the tax code. So we'll start there. Dominic, do you have anything to say before we get off and running there? I do have a question that came up actually when I did one of the ride-alongs with the fire department um, that's sort of related to that business owner thing. You can park it for later if you want, but it's just the, the question is, 
he has formed a business last year, but didn't do any like entity work on it. It was a rental property. He rented out a property. He's renting it out to traveling nurses. He may actually be listening. I know he was going to try to connect on this show. So shout out to Eric. He's a medic. Um, Sup, Eric? Yeah, but I don't. I didn't see if he logged in, but hopefully he did. Um, but I. But he had said, yeah, I actually formed it last year, and then was like, oh crap, I never formed a corporation. I don't think I can do anything about it now. So the question would be, like, it was like September, October of last year. So he's like, oh man, did I lose out on all of that? Should I have written off stuff against it last year? Oh darn, I didn't can. do any. And that's Still what can. I thought. So. Still can. So, and we will also cover some of the entity misconceptions that go along about yes. when you need an entity and all of that so perfect starting out first let's cover what the difference is between marginal and effective tax rates because this is a really important one to understand i ask it of every single client when we go to have a tax conversation and once every two years someone knows it and can explain it to me most of the time people are like mm, you got me so if you will picture in your in your mind a staircase what happens is as you make money you get certain deductions and credits you get a credit for having kids you get a deduction just for being so like right now the standard deduction if you're married is twenty five thousand nine hundred dollars meaning if you make twenty five thousand eight hundred ninety nine dollars as a couple or less you have no obligation to even file a tax return if it's earned income. That And for singles, it's roughly half. That's about 15000 The minute you go over that, now you, by law, are required to file taxes. Now, again, we can get into, well, is it really legal and all that other stuff, but we're going to assume that it is for now, though every once in a while you get somebody to give me a nice rant on why it's not. They don't know that I entirely disagree with them, but here we are. So your brackets range from 10%, then 12. That's the staircase that I'm telling you to picture. Then 22, we get a big jump up to 22, 24, 32, 35, and then they max out at 37. If you're a married couple, that maxes out at 600, almost in 50,000. If you're single, it turns around and maxes out at 539,000. And then you have state taxes that go on top of that in the 43 states in the union that charge an income tax. Um, and by the way, for any of you guys who live in Oregon, Oregon is passing a law right now. I don't know if it'll go through or not to raise their taxes. They're tired of California being the highest taxes in the land. <laughs> They're passing something so they can be right up there with California, go Oregon, but at least they don't have a sales tax. Um, and I've had several friends, I don't know if you guys know where Vancouver, Washington is. It's right across the river from Portland. So it's in Washington, but it's basically a Portland suburb. And look, you're living in Washington, you know, with the weather that goes along with it, but you have kind of the best of both worlds because you live on one side of the river, you have no income tax, you go over to the other side of the river to buy stuff, no sales tax. But so what marginal is, is what did your last dollar on the last day of the year get taxed at? How high up the staircase did you go versus effective, which is the average of everything put together? So let me give you, for instance, if you're a married taxpayer and you make 250000 
your federal taxes, assuming everything's normal, you just take a standard deduction, are $41,455. Your marginal tax rate is 24%. That's meaning the last dollar that you earn. So your first taxable dollar got taxed at 10%. The next 60000 got taxed at 12 then 22 in Europe and the 24% bracket. So you paid $41,455 total. Your marginal rate was 24, but your effective rate, the average of what you made versus what you paid works out to about 16 and a half percent. Now, the reason this is really important to know, number one is, particularly if you're in a business where you get commissions or bonuses, even if you don't work for yourself, if you work for yourself, if you have fluctuating years, you need to have a running idea of where you're at so that during the year, particularly at the end of the year, you can make decisions. Also, any tax strategies that you plan and implement, you can do at, they will affect you at your marginal rate, not your effective rate. So in other words, if you do strategies towards the end of the year to lower this, you give a charitable contribution, you do, um, you set up a business like your buddy did with his rental property. Mm -hmm. Any stuff that we can do will turn around and help us at that 24% rate in this example, as well as anything or, or even higher, depending on where you go. Am I making any sense whatsoever? Yeah, it's actually answering a question I've always had about taxes. I've never really understood the whole the whole situation between marginal and effective and all that stuff. I knew the terms. I kind of had a general sense. So no, yeah, no, this makes sense. Perfect. And if anybody else has questions, feel free to jump in. Dominic's manning the, the chats today. Yep. Um, and I will turn around and keep talking about this. Now, why is this important to understand? Well, that leads to kind of the next point here, which is what is your tax meridian? And what is that? I made that up. I don't even know if it's a good term. I may or may not keep it, but it's basically like what you can do. What is an acceptable tax rate? And Sal, your question about a solo 401k, 100% I can chat about. But the first thing that you have to think about is what is an acceptable tax rate that I'm willing to live with? Now, the country song is if 10% was good enough for Jesus, it ought to be for the IRS. Sadly, they don't view it that way. <laughs> um, now, if you look at historically, the highest taxes gone of our, in our country is 94%. And it was in the 90s on the top rate during the World War II years and the immediate aftermath. For a lot of the 60s and 70s, the top tax rate was over 70%. And so why is this a big deal? Well, when they raise taxes, right now our entry level, like I said, is 10%. And, and you don't have to pay it if you're married on the first 25900 And I think it's 12900 or, yeah, 12950 if you're if you're single. So the question that you have to ask yourself is, what is a reasonable tax that I'm willing to pay? Because when they went and raised taxes on the wealthy, to 94%, what they also did was turn around and raise taxes on everybody else. The entry level was 23%. So the minute you started paying taxes, you were immediately paying taxes at that 23% level. And then you, you made even a little bit of income and you went up from there and up from there and up from there. 
So again, it wasn't like, yeah, screw the rich. They can pay their fair share. By the way, it's one year in 1941, I think it was, the definition of rich was anybody who made more than $5 million in a year was rich. Government needed money, so what they do? They changed the definition the following year to anybody who made more than 200,000. It went from 4.8 million to 200,000. I mean, 5 million to 200,000. They moved the goalpost 4.8 million. While at the same time, they cut the threshold to the next bracket on four people in half from 4,000 to 2,000. So again, when you think about this, the government kind of follows this, this policy of we're going to get those rich evil bastards. We're going to make them pay. You, you're poor because they're rich and we're going to get them. And then generally a year or two later, they come back and they're like, these greedy rich people, evil rich people figured out ways around it. Sorry, guys, we spent all this money. You guys have to pay this now, too. And it's the same thing at the state level, because if any of you guys live in California, we went from a massive, massive surplus. The government went, we got all this money. California government spent it, and now we're in a massive deficit. So, so coming back to even a question about, should I contribute to my 401k? Should I set up a solo K? Should I do a set plan? What should I do? There's a difference between an actual deduction and a postponement of taxes. And this is another big thing that I get into trying to talk to individual clients is first of all, again, what is the reasonable rate that you are willing to give them? And the answer generally is, well, I don't want to give them anything. I'm like, I'm right there with you. I get it. I don't want to give them anything either, but now what's your second answer? And knowing historically that for many years, it's only been since 2001 that, or maybe 2000, that the government lowered the entry level tax rate to 10% before that, going back decades to world before World War One, excuse me, for most of those years with one or two brief exceptions, the entry level tax rate was much higher than 10%. May not have been 23, but it was 16, 14, 18. And again, if you think about it, if you're used to paying 10 starting out and we go to 16, that is a 60% increase yeah. right out of the gate. And then disproportionately, everything moves up from there. So now back to this, I will tell you where my kind of meridian is, is anything, in my opinion, up to 24% is as reasonable as we're going to get. You guys can make your own decisions, but I'll explain to you in a moment where you wanna be careful on this. So single taxpayer can make all the way up to 170,000 taxable and still stay in that 24%. The minute we go over that, they jump up to 32%, then 35, 37. A married taxpayer can go all the way up to 340000 taxable and still, I don't know why my stand keeps kind of falling today. Um, maybe it needs coffee. Yeah. A married couple can go all the way up to 340000 taxable, still be in that 24% bracket. And it's my opinion, and that's all it is, is an opinion um, that 
that's a reasonable enough tax rate. So we don't necessarily want to do anything beyond that to try and lower taxes if it creates a future tax liability. Mm -hmm. For instance, what that means in English is I would not contribute to an IRA. I would not contribute to a 401k except to get the match if I'm still in the 24% tax bracket. Further, I might go one step beyond that if I had cash and I might advise a client and I do advise clients, hey, let's turn around. If you've got old IRA money, let's do a Roth conversion here and get some of that money out. Get that 24% over with because if you're saving any money at all, unless you retire absolutely broke and you're just living on pure Social Security, you are likely to be in a higher tax bracket because they tax your Social Security. They are up to 85%, meaning you don't pay 85% in taxes, but 85% of it, they turn around and add your tax return at a very low threshold. So you're going to get taxed on that. You're going to get taxed on whatever you have to pull from your IRAs. You don't have any deductions. Generally, you don't have kid credits. You're not contributing to a 401k. Any Your mortgages may be paid off, and that was a deduction for you. So the very first thing is to think about what you're doing, not just automatically max out your 401k and max out your Roth IRAs, start a solo K. Solo Ks are for individual business owners. Um, there's really not a lot to them beyond that, other than that's what you do. You can just set one up and I can, you can reach out to me, whoever asked that question, if you want to know more on it. But here's the reason why, by the way, that I emphasize this. The government this year will surpass $32 trillion in debt. To give you some idea of the scope of that money, um, and I think we've done this before in the podcast, but for those of you that missed it, if you spent a dollar a day, uh, I'm sorry, a dollar a second every second of the day, so that means one, two, three, four, five. In a day, 24-hour day, you would spend $86,400. That's how many seconds there are in a day. In a year, spending at that rate 24-7, you would spend about $31.5 million. Now, I want you guys to think for a minute and just to yourself, how far back do you think you would have had to start to have spent $1 trillion by the day? Dominic, we've done this before, so I won't have you play along. Yep. But for you guys, most of the answers I get is, I don't know, man, like 1940, uh, 200 years. The answer is 29,000 years before Christ to spend $1 trillion, not 31 or 32, $1 trillion. So the next time... The government's like, yeah, we just passed this this, this $1.7 trillion bill. It's going to be great. Like, realize what they're talking about. And back in 2000, when the government lowered the minimum tax rate to 10%, the entry-level tax rate, we were only $5 trillion in debt. Now, $5 trillion is still a freak ton of money. Going back to 1982... We was the first time we passed one trillion, which is the first time that the top tax rate went down to fifty percent 
when it had been above that for the 50 years prior to that. So the point here is the gut, like taxes, there's a direct correlation to how deep in debt we are and also how much they spend, you know, with the joke being, you know, politicians spend like drunken sailors on shore leave. And then the joke is, well, no, actually drunken sailors spend their own money, not everybody else's. But now we're $32 trillion in debt. We've been below average, the average top tax rate since 1982. You know, the average top tax rate is 59% if you average them all together. And yes, you individually listening to this may not be in that bracket, plus if you are. But the point is, at some point, the government will have to address that. And so really, one of the most important decisions you can make is, what is a reasonable tax rate that I'm willing to live with right now? And up to that point, number one, let's not contribute to any sort of deferred tax vehicles that have future tax liability. Because remember, we're not just postponing paying the taxes, we're postponing the calculation of the tax. And that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Because if the government all of a sudden is like, sorry, guys, you know, you deferred this money at 24, but we're going to make you pull it out at 35 or 40. And we don't want the tax on what you put aside. We want the tax on what you put aside, plus everything it made. Oh, and by the way, we want it now. We're going to force you to switch that thing um, right now over to a traditional. You have to pay it all at once and get it over with. And the government has chatted about that before. Nancy Pelosi, the first time she was Speaker of the House when the debt went over a trillion, was like, are you worried about the deficit, ma'am, and the, the budget? She's like, no, why should I? We have trillions of dollars in retirement plans that we can tap anytime we want. And that's literally how the government views it. Now, you're in a high-tax state, and you start getting up into the 32, 35, 37% brackets then I'm 100% like, yeah, we really need to start maximizing some of your deferrals, you know, but also balancing with tax-free vehicles as well. So that's kind of my rant overall about just philosophy and actually having a tax strategy in place, which allows you to go both ways. One, realize if you're willing to live at the 24% and you're not making 34 340,000 taxable, and you have IRAs sitting there, you may want to, at the end of the year, pull those over and start to use that tax capacity because that may be the lowest tax that you ever see. And one of the things I get is, and some guy that I actually like on Twitter, but occasionally stupid stuff comes out of his mouth. <laughs> and he, he, he's a financial advisor and he loves to talk he's a good dude but he loves i got so many clients from twitter and uh all the haters hate me no, nobody hates him except when he says stupid stuff and this was a stupid thing that he said is well i just you know i don't want to talk about future tax policy that's hypothetical you know they could just as easily turn around and tax roth right now and and voila. so i just do it with, with what's now here's the difference they have had a 94 percent tax bracket before they have had 23% be the entry level taxes. They talk about that all the time. That there is precedent for that. There is not precedent for them going back and taxing life insurance, the cash on it, 
and the growth. It's a permanent piece of the tax code. And yes, they could, but they have, you know, billion dollar corporations that they'd have to fight on that. And secondly, the Roth IRA is the permanent piece of the tax code. It would be a fundamental violation of a promise, not that they're against it, but they would certainly go and raise the tax rates everywhere else because people are used to that before I believe they would ever dare to go try and tax cash value life insurance or Roth IRAs. And I really just don't see it happening. There's too many other ways they could raise revenue. Um, did you have anything you wanted to say, Dominic? <laughs> no, but I think it's interesting. I, I mean, I do, I like this conversation because it's, it's, you know, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you've heard Ron go on a 401k rant uh, more than once. But I think you've always said, too, there are certain circumstances, and I think it's worth mentioning again. You mentioned one right now. Obviously, if if you're at such a tax situation, if I understood you correctly, if you're at such a tax situation, you may actually want to take advantage of that. If you're making that much money, have challenges. Yes, of 100%. course. But the other 100%. thing is, is if your company offers you free money, right, take that money. Oh, right? so absolutely. For, Let's not be foolish about right. it, right? That'd be like saying... Oh, they're going to pay me. They're going to raise my salary by $200,000 a year. By the, by the way, Goat, you're very welcome. Um, you know, like, oh, it's terrible. I would have to pay tax on it. I'm going to turn my back on this filthy money. Get it away from me. Like, no, take the freaking money. Yeah. <laughs> but just be smart about it. And so we're so. not saying, and Ron's not saying, like, don't ever, there's no circumstance to contribute to a 401k. I just want to make that clear. And I, and I think in, in you, you've said that. And, you know, we even, when Ivana, uh, you know, got into the, the union and they offer this 401k thing. I mean, I called you and I was like, are we anti 401k or you were like, dude, free money, take the free money. Right. So that is, that is an, um, important piece. And, and it is part of, as you always say, having a strategy, like talk to an expert and get a strategy. Right. So, uh, it looks like a couple of questions popping in here. One from Sal again about what is the strategy to max out solo 401k to lower your taxes. And then Jordan uh, said, so if someone makes 100000 and contributes to their company's 401k and gets the match, do you not want to do no, that? You no, want yeah, always, you want to always, always, always take free money. Let me 100% be clear. Let's not be foolish. Take the free money. Because even if the free money did nothing but pay the tax when you go to withdraw it, it's still free money. And, and so guilt i look man i they even match 25 percent guilt's question was no reason to contribute to 401k unless a company matches 50 percent right and it'll be nah 25 percent. i take it it's free money right and again you're in a high tax state it was um who asked me um sal yeah the strategy to max out a 401k, a solo 401k, because you can go up to 66,000, I think, for this year. Hold on, let me look it up right here. Um, must be made in a pre-tax basis. Um, I got to look these up, not because I don't know the tax law, but because, remember, I kind of spend my life south telling people why they don't necessarily want to do it. But you have 650K in your name. So if you're making 650K by all means, go through it but usually it's like 25 percent. i'll look up those rules sal if you shoot me a dm and i'll get them over to you of how to max it out so again the, there's no problem with maxing it out if it makes personal sense to you i told you what my rule is that i feel like again i don't get me wrong i don't like giving them 25 percent. 
or 24th percentile. It sucks, um, particularly because self-employed, I've got all sorts of other taxes to deal with on top of it, and I live in California like you do. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I am going to take the majority of my money and put it in other vehicles, not taking the current year tax deduction so that my money grows and compounds tax-free and I can withdraw it tax-free so that if they go crazy, like I believe they will at some point and start really raising rates, I've got a decent chunk. And by the way, even if you're contributing to the 401k, and maxing it out, make sure that an equal amount is um, going into tax-free vehicles like Roth RA, like the properly structured life insurance for accessibility reasons, number one. And number two is for uh, up to, as a hedge against future taxes. We hedge against you know, market drops. If you're, if you're diversified, tax diversification is just as important in that arena. So is really thinking through like a 300, a 2D strategy would be stocks, bonds, crypto, you know, asset back pensions, a 3D would be taxable, non-taxable, um, tax advantaged, all those sorts of things. All right. Um, any other questions come through, Dominic, while I was on that little rant? Uh, I think, no, it didn't look like questions. I think Salsa thinks I saw that pop. Oh yeah. He said, Sal said he had 20,000 profit before tax. So, so again, Sal, and by the way, if any of you guys ever want to sit and chat, I just finished one of my personal biggest deadline of the year, even though we have the tax deadlines, that isn't as personally crazy for me. I kind of had three nights with very little sleep. Um, so if any of you guys want to reach out and chat, you guys know where to find this. Um, Generally, we'll just set up a time and we can talk, Sal, or anybody else about your specific, like, what are you trying to do? Um, back to now, let's talk about if you don't have a business and if you do. If you don't have a business, here's the things we want to look for. Number one is, again, have a personal and piloting as a pilot. They always talk about personal minimums. You know, what are the conditions in that you wouldn't fly in so that your decision is made before you ever get in the airplane and do something foolish, particularly when you start to fly in instrument conditions, you know, they like hammer that, you know, don't fly if the winds are above this amount or the visibility is below this amount, you know, make this an 80% solution. So that's where I kind of came up with the idea of how do you, um, having your tax kind of meridian where hey i don't want to give them a dime over 24 percent, but i will give them up to that now i can make decisions based on that by the way st carms shoot me a dm and tell tell alexis who manages those that you want to chat with me she'll set it up for you and we'll chat and see, see about that all right so now let's talk about things you can and can't do to manage your taxes if you don't have a business number one is I'm just gonna rattle off some things to pay attention to. If you make below $50,000, 100%, you wanna make sure and see if you qualify for the earned income credit. Yeah, and your Carruthers too. Oh, but you're spelling it wrong. It's gotta be a U, my friend, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but you're close enough. Somebody probably scribbled something on a document and it was either our U was supposed to be an O or your O was supposed to be a U and they messed it up. I think we're family. Anyway, um, so first thing, 
make sure you're getting all the credits, child tax credit, earned income credit, all those sorts of things. And they don't, the tax softwares do an okay job of this or normally make sure to ask about that. Even if you take standard deductions, but you give to charity, you can take 300 bucks each as an additional charitable contribution. So if you're doing that, make sure you get that. Again, because it comes off at your marginal rate. The next thing to do is if you like to give to charity, there's something cool called a donor advised fund. Now we don't manage these or set these up. So you can call and ask about it, but I'm just gonna point you to Fidelity's website or Vanguard's website. But basically, let me walk you through this. Let's say you are in a state with a low income tax um, or no income tax and you have a reasonable house, so you don't get to write off a ton of mortgage interest, so it's actually better for you not to itemize your deductions. So you can take a standard deduction, or if you have excessive medical bills, pay a lot of interest, pay a lot of state tax, um, and that adds up to more than that standard deduction, you're allowed to take an itemized deduction, and the government lets you do that. However, the most recent tax act of 2018, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that Trump kind of pushed through, that did away with a lot of the other things that people used to be able to write off. So now more people are taking a standard deduction. But if you like to give money to charity, and let's say you're right below that 25,000 threshold, what you can do, and you have some cash laying around, is we can take an item, we can give money to a donor advice fund once every few years, give like a chunk of money, give like 10 or 15,000. Say you want to give 3,000 a year and you give them 15,000, which covers the next five years, you get the full deduction right there. So now for that year, we itemize and we get the deduction, whereas the other year is doing it 3,000 at a time, we're not getting to, we're not getting to write that off. So now every four years, Four years you take the standard deduction every fifth year you go over and take the itemized deduction and you get a big spike save two or three thousand four thousand on your taxes boom take the standard deduction and then over the next four years give from that donor advice fund so all they do is manage it and then you call them up or like hey send some money to the Uzbekistani and starving orphans fund and you know give them twenty five hundred dollars and the whatever else you want to give to to you know do that and then you're covered for the next few years. I would appreciate so you that, not sharing my personal donation charities that I go with on, for my tax returns, Ron. It's inappropriate. <laughs> <clears throat> the Uzbeki and Children's Fund. Yeah. Yeah, back in your single days, wasn't it the uh, Medical Students Association? Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> Helping one single mom at a time, Diamond. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, I hope you guys appreciate my very stable genius mug. Um, I know it's backwards, but I wanted to make sure to point that out. So those are the sorts of things. And then the other thing, man, I got to tighten down my uh, stand here. The other thing is, now that interest rates, we talked about this a little bit last week, but now that interest rates have started to rise back to four and five percent, you really need to pay attention to how much interest you're generating there because that money is being taxed at your marginal highest rate. And so if you turn around 
and you have a hundred thousand that you're just like, man, it's my buffer cash, you know, and now like, dude, I'm getting like 5,000, you know, 5% of that. So I'm getting $5,000 a year on it. That's great. We love that. We've been in a really low interest rate environment. And I, for one, even though it's sad that mortgages have gone up and happy to see that interest rates have gone up a little bit because they were genuinely too low and had all sorts of bad impacts on the economy. Mm -hmm. um, and for you guys that think interest rates are crazy high now, let me remind you back in the late 70s and early 80s, um, interest home mortgages went up to 18%. And gas went through the roof for the time and you couldn't even get it. Right. Like you would have to wait in line for the truck. And yeah, sadly, I was a little kid, but I was old enough to remember that. So back to this. So if you've got this 100000 sitting there and it's short-term money, then let it sit there. Don't worry about it. But if it's going to sit there a while, now is when you have to pay attention to that because that 5000 that you generated, if you're in the 24% bracket, we have to pay 24% of that in taxes and whatever state tax you have. Again, one or two years, not a big deal. Let's just be grateful we're making money. But we go beyond that and we start getting into three, four, five, ten years. Now, all of a sudden, that's where we want to pay attention to that and either buy municipal bonds, which are can go up to triple tax free, meaning state, mm -hmm. local, and federal income tax free. Or, Sal, to your point, this is where we start to talk to clients like, hey, if it's just going to sit there for a while, maybe we take of your 100000 20000 a year for the next five years and feed it into an IUL. We retain almost 100% liquidity on that money for those entire five years and then beyond. And we're getting a similar to higher interest rate. We have access to the money, but we're doing it in a zero tax environment. So over 10 years, we're saving 15, 20,000, $30,000 on those taxes that you don't realize because you're not understanding. Hopefully you are now you're just seeing like the flow and not realizing, no, that money is all that interest is getting added to my return every year. And I'm just paying that money out of my lifestyle, but it's driving up my taxes every year. And I'm just not realizing it. So again, it's you sold your house. It's sitting there while you find if you want to buy another one. Great. Leave it there. A year and a half goes by and you're like, the market's stuck. You know what? I'm not going to buy. We've got a client right now. We're chatting about this for sold this house. Kids a freshman in high school. And he's like, renting right now you know but i know in three or four years when she goes off to college we're not going to need what we would need now and we're not going to necessarily live in the same neighborhood because we're no longer restricted by the school district i think i'm gonna set this out unless i just get a deal we're like great let's chat about that right so that's the sort of things to think about again no business required now moving into the business world the gig economy has made it so easy to have a business. You can literally be like, I don't go anywhere on the weekend. I am going to sign my car up on Turo. And if you guys don't know what Turo is, you guys should all know what Turo is. Um, but Turo is Airbnb, but for cars. So you basically are like that. Come take my car, drive it for the weekend. You get money. They get a car. 
And by the way, I love Turo. We've used it. Um, were we Turo? Yeah, we were Turo in Texas. We were Turo in wine country. Although we've twice rented from the Turo slumlord of Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys are ever Turoing a car in Napa Valley, like you need to DM me and ask who not to use. Because he has like 25 cars up there, but they're all complete pieces of crap. <laughs> um, like barely drivable. But you can, you can go to garage sales on the weekend if that's your thing buy stuff that you think is underpriced turn around and sell it on the market you know sell it on ebay or wherever stuff gets sold you can put in your field of expertise on social media a little manual that you write we we had a client who was a navy seal he wrote a guide for young guys who wanted to be Navy SEALs on kind of some tips and advice for how to pass the, um, you know, hell week and get through buds and all those sorts of things and how to get selected in the first place. And he sold it on the side. Now the Navy came down, I won't say hard on him, but the Navy, basically it was like how to guarantee, you know, how to be a Navy SEAL guaranteed. And basically the guarantee was, well, look, if you don't make it, I'll give you your money back. The Navy was like, yeah, you can't say that, but we don't mind the guy being sold. So literally, there's so many ways to get a business going. And whatever the business is, now we open up the playbook where the real tax code was written for, which was for the self-employed individual. So now one of my clients yesterday was telling me, like, dude, I've taken the advice. And now we are going down to, like, we're going to go to Florida to take the kids to Orlando. But I'm going to meet with some other, oh. Dude, it was Josiah who we had on um, the podcast. By the way, great podcast. Go back and listen to Josiah Novak um, on fitness and kind of but how he doubled his business a couple times in a row. Really good podcast. By the way, you can catch all the previous podcasts on makemorepetemoreshow.com. If you guys just don't get enough of us, they're also on my Instagram feed. But Josiah's like, yeah, man, I'm taking the kids down to Orlando. I'm like, have fun with that. Eh, it'll be good man and uh, i'm trying to get josiah to come out here to um legoland because he's got little kids but now he's like by visiting with a couple of other gym owners or business owners he gets to write that off as a trip so and now he's like dude now that i understand it everywhere we go for pleasure or business we're going to tie enough business to it for the write-offs your cars become write-offs your Part of your house becomes an additional write-off. Your cell phone becomes a write-off. Your laptops become write-offs. All those things. Now, again, there there's some rules around this. So understand, we're giving you the 30,000-foot view here. Um, but the idea is there is no reason that every single one of you can't this year start some business, devote a little bit of time to it each month or each week, that allows us to now begin to open up the tax code, particularly if you're in that 22 or 24% or 32% bracket. Now that goes with, hey, I said 24 isn't acceptable in my my situation. Like I'm happy with that. Sure, but I still wanna give them the least amount of the 24 that I'm legally entitled to because screw those guys. They're just gonna give it all away to everybody else anyways. So, um, so that's the, um, 
So that's kind of the idea there. And we could go on and on and on about, you know, all the advantages of business. But I think you guys generally have the idea here that a develop your personal tax strategy, whether you own a business or not, of what's acceptable. B, do everything you can to pay that amount and no more. And of course, C, B, pay the least amount of that amount through your business write-offs. And here's the difference between a mortgage, for instance, contribution and a 401k contribution. If you write off the interest on your mortgage, you never pay that back. Right. Whereas the 401k, again, we are building a tax liability that is unknown. And I'll, for those of you guys who love this and still aren't totally convinced, let me give you like one kind of closing, you know, thing to think about. If you guys were going to come to Dominic, he's got more money than he knows what to do with. All right. And I, and I think you guys should absolutely hit Dominic up if you need a loan. He, he would love that. He loves the DMs and uh, he loves late night phone calls because he stays up. Yeah. That's um, but if you were going to go and, and hit Dominic up for a loan and Dominic's like, all right, I'll give you the money. And let's say it's half a million dollar loan. All right. Um, actually, it's a $200,000 loan because I think that's the average 401k balance right now. All right. So you're like, D, I know you got it all hidden in your backyard there. Give me some of that money. And D's like, all right, let's do it. And he goes, here's the loan. Sign right here. What are the two questions that you want to know about that loan? Well, number one is, when do I have to pay you back? Right? First thing you want to know, all right, well, you want this back, right? Yeah, Dominic's going to want his money back. So when? And what if Dominic goes, look, man, I'm going to let it just sit there. The, the interest will accrue until the day you retire. Once you retire, you got to start paying me that back. I'm going to give you a certain amount of year that you have to pay back. That's reasonable enough. If you're lucky, D has a tragic biking accident before then, for, forgets that you own the money, and, it, and you don't have to pay that back. The second question is what? What interest rate are you going to charge me on this money? And let's assume D says, I don't know. We're going to put in the contract that you will pay me whatever interest rate I tell you at that time based on what I need, but you are signing in blood that you will give me that money. Whatever I say, no matter how reasonable or unreasonable that amount is, would you take that loan? Well, in this and scenario, he, I would say, yes, they should, given that I'm the one getting right. to sign that. So, but I'll never go above. Dominic loves that deal. I'm going to start at 23%. So don't worry about it. It's not going to be that much. Bingo. <laughs> I just described your IRAs and your 401k. Now, here's the thing. You're in a bad enough situation right now, right? Mr. Safdari, what's happening? Um, you're in a bad enough situation, you might take that loan. You might be like, look, man, my wife needs a kidney transplant. We're going to buy one on the black market. They're $200,000. My wife dies if nothing happens. And I have a good wife, not one I'm happy to get rid of. So we turn around, you might take that loan. But if you had, you get up into the 50%, 55% tax bracket living in California, which is how high it really goes, 
between the extra stuff because there's stuff the government tax on above the 37% that they kind of bury in there so they don't have to tell you they're raising taxes. And California does the same thing. You get up into 55%, you're like, well, well, how much worse than it can it get? You owe the mafia money and they're going to break your legs if you don't pay them. Dominic's loan might not sound like such a bad deal. But if you had reasonable, you know, you didn't have an urgent need the rest of your situation was reasonable, then you likely would say no to that loan. And that's exactly what coming full circle, what we say about your 401ks is figure out the acceptable amount that you're willing to live with of taxes. Don't pay more than that. Then yeah, by all means, load up your 401ks, take all, take the step plan, load up your solo 401k, solo 401s, all of that. But up to that point, go the other direction. Do the conversions on the IRAs if you have the cash to pay the tax. It's one of the best investments you can make. And this is something to sit down even before you file your taxes for this year and ask the question, what's my marginal rate? What's my effective rate? Where am I at? You know, And then you can either contribute to IRAs right up until the day you file your taxes, you know, and again, the government puts a bunch of goofy rules. You can contribute if you own a business up to a set, to a set plan right up until the day you file your taxes, which, you know, can be October 15th. So you may know you want to do that and not have the cash. No problem. Turn around and just defer your taxes while you go get the cash. But if you're below that, then you might go the other direction, pull some of that money from your Roth IRAs, Pull some of that other, I mean, pull up some of that money from your traditional IRAs, move it over into the Roth environment, and now let that money get that tax over with. And that's kind of the way it goes. And now that money's compounding, hopefully uninterrupted in a tax-free environment. And again, there's a big difference between them raising taxes, which they've done repeatedly before, and them actually violating the promise that they gave everyone on Roth and going into that money and taking it. Same with the, you know, cash value life insurance. So that's my rant for taxes for today. I like it. Um, Dominic, next week, we are going to be going through and um, you're going to be giving, dropping some of those leadership gems on up. Um, and the clinic spa asked a great question, by the way, can I deduct my taxes for renting a car every month instead of buying a car? If you own a business, yes, 100%. If you don't, then no. In the same way that you wouldn't be able, if you just work a W-2 job, you can't go down and write off your car. But if you own a business, you can, again, back to the advantages that they give business owners. So, um, so yes. No, it just depends on the situation. But I think but, one of the things for, for takeaways for today, you know, after you answered that question, I think is there's a couple things like for those of you who've thought about putting together some sort of little side business, the, the, the market itself has made it so much easier to do that. Right. I think 100%. there are so many little things out there. And, and I think when we had, um, the credit queen on, I can't remember her name off the top of my Irene. head, Irene, I remember her saying like, yeah, it's crazy how much people make, like starting a little hair business or, or a salon, you know, like not even starting like a full salon, but just doing makeup and doing some hair and stuff. How many people were making tons of money there? Um, you've got, I've talked about my example, going back to, I think for season one or something, I talked about for, for a time I did the whole, like go to garage sales and do some stuff and made some good money. 
selling which on was eBay. like the gary vayner the yeah gary vayner right? now talks yeah. a lot about that and um talks about it all the time now and so i you know i was doing that years ago and it it did work and it was it was a lot of fun actually if you're into it obviously find something that you're into that you have an expertise on and do it as a side gig and there's some pretty massive tax implications in a positive way for you and i and i think about it like obviously, you know, strategize with Ron or, or whomever your tax, you know, expert is, uh, which is also another takeaway is just have a freaking strategy, right? And, and start to, to work with somebody on it. But I think, you know, look, if you're going to put contribute, you know, 18,000 or whatever the number is for a standard 401k, okay, again, take the money. If they got, they're giving you free money, take the free money. But think about what, what if you contributed some of that towards a business that you've been thinking about doing on the side? right? If you put a little bit towards that as some working at capital, I know it's not a deduction from your paycheck per se, but like you could actually have some pretty awesome uh, things out of, of just that money. It doesn't take on some of these side gigs a lot of money to get started. And sometimes people do. And on another session, maybe a couple of weeks from now, we could talk about structures, actual, you know, we, we got it. I was just making a note here that we never got into entity structuring and where to, you know, when to have one entity versus another. When do you go get an LLC? All of that. Right. So 100%, we will discuss that. Yeah, and I think, look, when we we created this show, which is obviously the name Make More, Keep More Show, right? So, and then by the way, makemorekeepmoreshow.com for all the past episodes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. When we created the show, like some of what we, you and I talked about is like, I would love to help people that listen to this make so much money that they have a tax problem that they need to come to you to solve. Like, 100%. right. And I think, scam, right? right. The whole thing's, the a, whole scam. thing's a scam. <laughs> no, but, I, but even if you do it on your own without us, like you, you just take what you learn here and you use your own tax advisor and, and Ron's talked about this. Sometimes you have to go to your tax advisor and go like, Hey, I heard about this thing. Does this apply in my situation? Like nobody's going to care about your money like you do. Nobody's going to care about your business. So as we get into next week's show, some of what I want to share is like, how do you do that? Not from a sales perspective, but how do you free up your brain as a busy entrepreneur or as a busy uh, employee of a company? How do, how do you get to a place where you could potentially say like, hey, listen, I do actually have the time to run a side gig. And I think a lot of what people hold back for is they don't know how to do it. They don't know what they would do, but they also think like, I don't have any time to run a business. I'm so busy with my work. But here's the thing, like how many business owners have you and I known that took a side hustle and now make extraordinary money, right? It's Dude. tons, right? Dude. And, Dude. and done and make more money, far more money than they did at work at their, at their well-paying job. Or the other side of it is, is maybe they don't make quite the same amount of money like on paper up front, but because of the tax implications actually take home more money or make just about the same net all in, but have a lot more fun doing it. And so I think yeah, those are the things we want to approach. And flexibility. Right. You know, like my kids are grown, so I run the place. So. I had worked last year from um, Greece, Napa, um, Texas, God, where else? You know, I'm just like Orlando at the Ritz. Um, you know, I'm just like, hey, I need to get out of town, see, see something different. So we'll head up to Napa, work till 4.30 in the afternoon, last wine tasting, it's like five, power slide in, 
getting off the line, you know, so the flexibility that I have, which, yeah, people work from home, but there's a lot to it. So next week, we are going to dive into some of the leadership stuff that Dominic gets the, and, and like, literally, I'm kind of joking, but I'm really not, that Dominic gets paid stocks. I mean, they really do value what he does. And so we're going to beat him up and make him give it up for free. We don't pay. We get it for free, Dominic. <laughs> and lovely CJP, good to see you again. And um, so anyway, and we'll look for that next week. And it's just a little side note to that. If you're thinking to yourself, like, well, I don't need leadership stuff. I don't have any employees. That's not what we're going to be. It's, it's, it's not that. No, it's, it's really about self-leadership, yep. self-mastery. And, and he does this for hardened, you know, firefighters and cops and stuff like that and i have it on good authority that he you know gets them all emotional and up in their fields and stuff and really <laughs> helps unlock what's going on in their brain if there which is, is something fun about making firefighters cry no it's not fun but it is it's good to get people oh to yeah it is getting their getting their feelings I, do, I gotta go man i gotta i gotta jump on another call and uh anyway next week same bad time by the way i think i'm gonna be up doing it from your studio so, oh, that's right. Uh, I forgot about that. Always exciting. Yeah, that is always exciting. exciting. Good times. So, all right, you guys. It was good seeing all of you. Take care. And uh, we will see you next week, same time. In the meantime, if you didn't get your fill, makemorekeepmoreshow.com. Download it um, at that website or your favorite podcasting service. We'll see you guys next week. All right, Take care. Thanks. See you later, Dominic. Bye, Joe.